So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, I'm Nate Larkin uh, here uh, with David uh, Hampton. Yeah, Dave, uh, we are recording this on the 13th of February. Yes, we are. Uh, the day before, and I, now Allie and I, we're coming up on our 42nd wedding anniversary. Oh, wow. So the stakes are not nearly as high for me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you just get her a little box of those little candy hearts that say "Be mine" yeah, and exact. kiss yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's good. You know, and I and I, and I waited too long to make dinner reservations. Oh, so uh, so you know, I I told Allie yesterday. You know, you want to do something for Valentine's Day? Yeah, well, of course, sure. Well, uh, you know, I tried to get reservations at you know the places she likes, and of course they're booked. They're gone. Yeah, yeah. And I said, well, you know, how about if we just do our Valentine's Day on on Saturday? Yeah. And she went, you know, it's fine. We're old. It's great. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the great thing about you know because it is kind of an overrated yeah. holiday. I mean, it is sort of how much. I wonder if on the balance, I wonder how much is it oversold. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how much uh, unrealistic expectation? Oh gosh, is yeah. invested into that day. How much disappointment is there on February fifteenth? Yeah, unnecessary heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we have these Hollywood, you know, ideas yeah. of what it should be. Romantic yeah. love, love must be right. Yeah. Uh, how lonely? Yeah. Are those who haven't got a date for one right. reason or another? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this episode will drop. Uh, when I guess maybe some people are still feeling the Valentine's hangover when, when they're listening to the yeah, episode. Yeah. And this may be a good episode for the Valentine's hangover for some people. Exactly. Because <laughs> about, we're going to be talking today an awful lot about relationships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the post, uh, conflicted mm -hmm. uh, seasons of, of relationship, particularly, you know, as it pertains to compulsive and impulsive uh, behaviors. Sure, that, sure, sure, uh, sure. So you've been through the white water with your relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, one or the other of you, or perhaps both of you have gone off the rails behavior-wise. Mm -hmm. Now you're trying to reconnect, mm -hmm. uh, but there's now some ad added anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, Barriers you didn't even maybe know existed. That's right. And the pink cloud is far behind you. Mm -hmm. How do you actually move toward intimacy? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a great conversation coming up with our favorite guest. She's back for the third time. She is. Yeah. 
leading here now. We have, she's a fir- she's our first guest to to make three appearances. On That's the right. Show. Yeah. 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 So she's ahead. Yeah. Stick with us. You're going to want to hear this conversation with KK Ray. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. I'll tell you what, David, I'm uh, reading. Uh, and, uh, these days I say I'm reading. Most of the time I'm listening. <laughs> I, I have to find a way to... to uh, uh, Maximize your time. Absolutely. Yeah. I have to exercise, so I like to walk, put the, put the, put the wireless earbuds in, there you and go. listen. Yeah, That's awesome. Perfect. Okay. So I'm listening a few days ago to a, a, a book called... It's not about the sex. Uh, it's by a guy named Andrew Suskind. Who uh, I, we've got to get on this podcast. Yeah, we're, uh, we have an email out to Andrew. Yeah, yeah. So subtitle of the book is Moving from Isolation to Intimacy After Sexual Addiction. Mm-hmm. So it was the subtitle, even more than the title, that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm listening. There's so much great content in this book. And the guy gets talking about... Uh, the nervous system, mm-hmm. the, the fact that so much of our instinctive behavior is driven by our nervous system, right? Uh, which has been subjected to trauma and all kinds of stuff, that right. we get dysregulated. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, I haven't used that word a lot, but he's using it a lot, mm-hmm. dysregulated. And then we find a substance or an activity that can at least temporarily regulate us again. Right. And that thing eventually turns on us. Yes. Now we're living in almost perpetual dysregulation. Mm -hmm. And when we get sober, when we get off that thing, Mm -hmm. we have to learn how to self-regulate. Right. And he said, using things like, and he casually tosses off, you know, terms like, Somatic awareness. And, and <laughs> Stuff that you wake up and is brain spotting. <laughs> I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When he said brain spotting, I went bingo. It's time for our K-K resident. Ray. <laughs> That's right. It's time for our She's resident back. therapist. <laughs> She's back. I know who I'm going to call uh-huh. to get a free therapy session. <laughs> no, for exa- all of us. Yeah, exactly. Here, we'll right invite here. her on the podcast and we will find out what the hell this is about. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's not about the sex, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it is not about the sex. Yeah. Well, some, somebody's out there thinking it is about the sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what is it about? Yeah. 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 So you've, so Nate, I haven't listened to the book yet or right, read right, the book right. yet. And I'm so only part you, way through, um, but, but, yeah. but it's spurred a lot of questions. You and I talked about it at breakfast sure, a little bit yesterday. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, and, you know, and it's funny because, you know, he's describing these relationships uh, after uh, sexual, um, uh, it, it, let's just call it sexual addiction. Uh, I know it's huge news to KK and everybody else that I'm a recovering sex addict. But, um, <laughs> and he's describing things that just sound very, very familiar to me. Allie and I have joked for years that we're still together because we have compatible intimacy disorders. <laughs> um, well, the compatible word is, is the key. Yeah, there. exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. So, it, you know, everything is moving to what's going on with the brain. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me want to to dance when I hear you say, you know, 
you're reading about dysregulation of the central nervous system and um, the ability to, to, to regulate and, and that movement. What did you say that tagline was? Moving to... Yeah, yeah, moving from isolation to intimacy. So, so if, we could, if we could look at what, what is intimacy, sometimes I think that word really freaks people out because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, have we achieved nirvana by right. being intimate with another person? But if you just think of it as um, this person's energy, and, you know, we used to think energy was some new age yeah. term not to be considered, but mm-hmm. but we are electrical beings. And so, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I can walk in a room and you know how somebody's feeling mm-hmm. right, when, right before they ever open their mouth. You yeah. feel it. Right, mm-hmm. right. And and so so because of that, we we can help each other regulate. Mm-hmm. And so we call that co regulation or um interpersonal neurobiology, which is a huge term, one of those that I'm sure yeah. you woke up this morning and knew the answer to what that was. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is if, if we can move towards helping each other regulate yes, or even the recognition that I'm dysregulated, and David, I know you say a lot, what's the pain? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and be assured it is a physiological pain. Mm-hmm. You're not making that up when yeah. you're like, this dysregulation feels very painful to me. But if we can move towards a, a place of helping each other to say, let me help you regulate, mm-hmm. that's intimacy. That's yeah. friendship. You know, I know if I come to your door and I've had a hard session mm-hmm. and you're open to hearing it and and can help me, I can walk away 10 minutes later and go, okay, number one, our friendship is deeper because he's just helped me, but I also feel better and I'm able to go function again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Does, yeah. does yeah. that all, yeah. all make sense? Yeah, so. it does. Uh, uh, let me just pile on some more issues here and then you can sort through them and make some sense. <laughs> um, Suskind makes the statement that sexual addiction is... Uh, I think he uses the phrase, it's kind of a, a, a distancing behavior. Uh-huh. Here's the crazy thing. So I go to, uh, as, I'm an, as an active addict, I go to pornography or to commercial sex or something in search of intimacy. Yeah. What I get is an artificial intimacy that leaves me lonelier than when I went. Yeah. But mm. the truth is, I am ambivalent about intimacy itself. Right. I, yeah. I want it and I don't want it. Well, and I even wonder if that's what you're after in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is really, really, are you looking for what we call false intimacy? And, and, and I'd probably, and it may be semantics, but Mm -hmm. I'd probably question that. And, you know, just to throw the atomic bomb in the middle of everything. Yeah. um, (laughs) I'm not even so sure that addiction is the right word. Oh, I, I I agree a hundred percent. And so, so when, when I think about that, there is a percentage of the population because of trauma and attachment trauma. Right. So during the formative years of the brain, there's a percentage of population, when they get closer to somebody, mm-hmm. their their anxiety goes up Yes. Mm-hmm. as opposed to down. So yeah. so they need space to, to right. try to soothe or whatever, which we, then we're like, well, why are they rejecting me? Or why are they going off to, to self-soothe mm-hmm. or go to a darker place of right, if right. I just can disappear into this sexual, you know, darkness, um, I'll feel better. But really, it's not about running from somebody that loves you. I think it's because their nervous system gets overwhelmed and they have to go be by themselves. Mm -hmm. And we need to rewire that because we are, you know, in, in health, 
we want to be wired for connection. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, but, right. But literally, I mean, take a deep breath if you're the ones out there that go, when I get close to somebody, it freaks me out. That's real. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're not making that up. It's yeah. not a sick thing. It is it is a trauma slash attachment wound. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. one of the things that... Um, that we know from, um, you know, brain scans, brain-based science stuff is that, that a person in, in brain formation, um, well, first of all, the brain doesn't just grow up. The brain has to have constant input for neuro, neurological connection, insight, all that stuff. So, so when you're growing up, you need to be soothed over and over and over again, Mm -hmm. then your brain goes, oh, I learned how to do that because someone else did that for me or co-regulated with me. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. And, and, and that's that primary nurturer. Well, guess what? A lot of people didn't get that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear Eastern block babies hold their bottles much earlier than, than Mm. Western baby orphanage kids. Right. Sure. Because they didn't have a choice. They had to learn how to pick that bottle up and and feed themselves. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So if somebody's been, in a, in a situation of neglect or abuse right. growing up, which are just both as egregious to the brain, one's right. not worse than the other, um, arguably. If they haven't learned anything but to soothe themselves, what else are they going to do? Right. right. And, and, and that can get darker and darker and darker. Right. And how much KK is our own self-loathing um, that takes us into these oh, yeah. places where... Um, I may not be looking for sex. I may be confirming my own self-loathing. Um, I mean, it's the same with substances. Or that you're uh, it, it, confirming it, but also also you're just reenacting that through those formative times that nobody showed up for you. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't show up for you, then why would they now? Yeah. And, and, and remember the thing that's so, so confusing uh, – well, I don't know if it's confusing or not, but it's very important to remember that, that you know – 95% of our brain is non-conscious. Yeah. So, you know, many people wake up out of a binge, mm-hmm. a blackout, and have acted out mm-hmm. and never knew how they really got there mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. because their brain is just saying, I'm so dysregulated, get me relief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think that self-loathing is just part of that negative feedback loop. I'm just yeah. proving to myself what that caretaker proved to me during right. those formative years. Right. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Suskind says that in every uh, relationship, uh, there are kind of like two roles that are being played much of the time. One is one person is distancing and the other is pursuing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I see that in at, between Allie and me all the time. Mm-hmm. We kind of trade roles. Um, but because both of us want to be closer. Right. There's no doubt that both of us want to be closer, but there is this anxiety that comes. So um, Allie never stuck with a clingy guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never stuck with a clingy girl. Yeah. But when I met her, you know, I got hooked the night that I asked her, I'm about to go off to college. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Like, here we go. Yeah. Have I told this story <laughs> can, before? Can we all, no, can we a, all give an amen to how much we love Allie? Yeah. 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 Totally. totally. And I said, look, I'm going, I'm going away from my senior year, but I'll be coming back, uh, back coming back to town, uh, you know, on weekends. And I'm wondering, uh, you know, would you like, to, would you like to go out? And, um, 
it, it, and I and I was really kind of del- very cockily delivering the news that she had won the sweepstakes, right? That I had selected her, you know. And she smelled that a mile. And what away. I got was I got this. I got this, and she went, "Well, it wouldn't be too often, would it?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. And I said, no, no, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. You know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and we could still were... see other people, right? Mm-hmm. Was that her? Or you that was her. That, yeah. yeah. And I said, oh, yes, of course. And you were melting inside. Oh, I w- but, uh, but at the same time, something side went, all right, here's a girl who's not going to smother me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And and I was and I absolutely obsessed about it. Within three weeks, we were engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that distance or pursuer dynamic is really really important to notice in any relationship. Right. Um. So so at any any time, someone is showing up to pursue the relationship. Right. You know, and we want to notice that that move towards right in a healthy relationship. We notice and we reciprocate. So it's balanced. What happens there is that if somebody is pursuing and the other person either feels, um, feels overwhelmed Mm -hmm. or is not into the relationship. Many times you see, um, uh, in a couple, a pursuer and the person, the other person distances and only swings in for sex. And that right, makes right. it even more toxic. But, right, 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 right. But, um, but a distance without explanation hits the same pain center as a punch in the face sure. of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's the same pain center. Mm-hmm. So, 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 you know, this cat and mouse game, it happens, but, but what we want is a healthy dance. Right. Exactly. So, so when that person needs space, they say, Hey, I see you lean towards me. I want you to know, I want to show up for you. I'll be back. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what, what quickly happens when that dance starts to go sideways is that, that younger parts within us show up. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, the, um, it's the teenager that got rejected over and over again and starts, starts to get crazy mm-hmm. from somebody distancing mm-hmm. from them. And, and, um, and then, you know, they look needy and over, they just look crazy. Yeah. yeah Where yeah. in reality, what they're getting is, is their supplies cut off. And right. if that's unhealthy, if it's an, an unhealthy relationship, um, range it's it looks really sick yeah it yeah. feels sick to both yeah. parties mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I saw this quote the other day you know if you've turned if you're if you're a spouse or a member of a couple and you're starting to be a detective mm-hmm. you know you have no relationship anymore right, right, right. and and that's that's a really telling sign of a distance or pursuer relationship when you're trying to figure out what's going on with that other person covertly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and that's you know what i find is if that person that's doing too much pursuing they're they're as as dysregulated yes. many times mm-hmm. as as the person that's dis- distancing, if that pursuer will just back off a little bit, give the the distancer room to regulate and come back, things can equalize. Mm-hmm. Tends to be very hard for that pursuer to give it up because their fear is that the person mm-hmm. will keep distancing and never come back. Yeah, yeah. And and all of that happens at a non conscious level. I mean, you're just you're not making it up mm-hmm. that it well, feels so bad. Yeah, but I have guys that come in my office, KK, and say that 
they really feel like a lot of their after after talking this through for a while, a lot of their acting out sexually in whatever kind of compulsive or impulsive ways is a result of being managed. Yeah. Like really hyper managed in their it. marriages or relationships. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and, and let me take this shot because I'm probably in a better position to than y'all. Um, you know, there's always someone identified as the patient in those dyads. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody always says they're sicker than the other, but I'm going to say it loud and clear here. Very seldom is one person sicker the, than the other when yeah. you see this dance going on. But boy, you talk about a hard sell. Oh, because 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 the person that's been betrayed mm-hmm. has that layer on top of it. So mm-hmm. so let me let me say I'm not talking about the betrayal. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm talking yeah, thank you for clarifying that. I'm talking about what is this dance right. that mm-hmm. we're doing that and you know, and and people people don't want to be managed. They don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, they don't want to be told don't eat McDonald's because it's unhealthy for you. They right. are grown ass people mm-hmm. that can make those decisions for themselves. I mean, and, <laughs> exactly. and, and unfortunately they, that, mm-hmm. you know, it got, gets really complex when we want best for each other. Mm-hmm. But if, if I could, if I could figure out, if y'all could help me figure out the formula for keeping people in their own yards, mm-hmm. we would have, we would, we would be millionaires. Yeah. You could shut yeah. the podcast down, right? But Just, because, because that management, that it's all fear-based, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's so egregious to the person that's doing the management as well as the person that's feeling managed. It's just awful. Yeah. 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 And that response to that, that, um, managing, uh, partner feels like rejection when you reject their uh, their their meddling, yeah. but it's more than that, of course, like you said. But yeah, um, when when uh, people don't have a voice in their own relationship, and when they don't have um, a way of expressing their own needs or asking for their own needs or feeling valid that their needs are valid. You know, I hear all that stuff, but then, so we get to the, what, what after, Mm -hmm. so, so you've stopped the behavior. Yeah, right. Exactly. So then what, how does that, so we stop the behavior. Let's, let's go in the, let's go in the case of sexual betrayal, addictive or not addictive. Okay. We've got that layer. So we got that pain, that sexual, Uh that, that pain of sexual betrayal. Now we're putting this relationship back together. We're trying to move from isolation to intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we start to get close, um, at least one of the partners begins to feel anxious. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and uh, the, if, we, if we're not conscious of what's going on and don't know how to tap into what's going on, we can start to be doing irrational things for non-rational reasons, right? Very good. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, or non-conscious t- things. Yeah. So, uh, but talk to me, if you will, KK, talk to us about what is somatic awareness? How, do, how can I become more fully yeah. conscious? And yeah. yeah, that's such, a, that's such a good thing. And it's so fun to, to watch people begin to, um, recognize. So remember the brain is labeling what the body holds. And so if you haven't read the book, the body keeps the score. Right. Mm-hmm. Run, don't walk yeah. and read it. Yeah. But the, the whole idea is that that if we can if we can we tend to without if we're not aware and have insight, what we're gonna do is make up a story to fit how our body's feeling. So if I'm anxious, it's gonna be you know, with if I'm not thinking straight, 
it's going to be David's fault. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, so I will Uh, literally come up with something mm -hmm. Uh that would, I did it the other night, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's like something woke me up and it was definitely David's fault. And it was definitely the dog's fault Uh that I was awake. Uh And of course, that's just my brain saying, I've got to blame something for how I feel. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the first thing we got to do is make sure that we know that we can, and many people have never been even exposed to feeling what's in their body and labeling that with an emotion. Right. So I have a gut bomb. Oh, that means I'm anxious. Well, Mm -hmm. why am I anxious? Well, my body's telling me I'm anxious. Yeah. You know, so we've got to get, get aware, get good awareness. That's somatic. Right. That's, that's right. what's going on in our body. Right. Right. And then, then we got, we've got a decision to make once we can do that. What do I do? Am I going to, and, and many times if that kind of response is PTSD, like, you know, if your gut bomb started when you were five years old, because something big happened, your brain's going to tell you it's a life and death situation, which may not um, right. be anywhere close to that. But if mm-hmm. you're in that lower reptilian part of your brain, there's no gradation there. It's either life or death. Right. So what we want to do is get to the the more, you know, neocortical part of the brain that says, okay, let's think through why my body's feeling this way mm-hmm. and, and, and come up with a decision based on what's really reality, mm-hmm. not what our brain's remembering mm-hmm. as true. So, so we want to do that. And then we want to say, what can I do in a healthy way to get to regulation? What do I need yeah. to get regulated? So that might be the question, you know, can you remind me that I'm okay? Yeah. You know, can you remind me that how big a deal this is? Yeah. Or, and, and, and that's, that's new neuropathways for many people. That will be very, very difficult, sure. especially if you have this reactive attachment kind of stuff. Right. So I'm going to attempt to try to get you to help me. Right. Can you stick with me mm-hmm. on that? Mm-hmm. And, and what we look for is to process that through so that the, the, the feeling in the body is appropriate for what's going on at the time currently yeah mm-hmm. right otherwise otherwise we're taking a lifetime of experiences at a non-conscious level and making a decision that tends to not be appropriate that's when i say we go home mm-hmm. and it's a much bigger response than it should be sure mm-hmm. sure sure am sure. i answering that mm-hmm. question Absolutely. the yeah. way you want yeah. so so that's where this co-regulation thing comes in and i can remember probably i don't know 20 years ago i was literally melting down and I can remember David sitting down with me he got below eye level he didn't know that that's what he was doing and he said how can I help you right now mm-hmm. and you know that was a novel thought for me mm-hmm. to let someone else help me mm-hmm. calm down mm-hmm. and and I will I will it, you know that's as strong in my mind as any trauma because what he did was he helped me co-regulate at that moment right mm-hmm. and so there was that and, and, you know, I'd die for him mm-hmm. for that one moment. That's mm-hmm. intimacy yeah, because right. of that co-regulation. Sure, sure. And, and then you just watch the body process through. And, of course, the best way to do that is to breathe. The exhale, a hard exhale, engages the right nervous system that we're Isn't, looking for. And, and, mm. and it, it's so God-given. I mean, we don't mm-hmm, have to yeah. go pop a Xanax or go to yeah. a massage parlor. Mm-hmm. Just breathe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and, and, and then find somebody. And, and, you know, that's what this isolation thing is so sad because, because literally we live in a, 
in a in a society that people are so freaking lonely. Yes. And and are so busy that they can't be intentional about relationships and those mm-hmm. kind of things. So we have to really get intentional about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what a novel discovery it was for me. And this is, I, I love this. I love to be on a uh, continual learning mm-hmm. course. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Mara Giovanni, I don't know if you've heard about this, KK, but Allie and I are doing Filipino stick fighting now. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. That's amazing. I've never heard of it, but in a healthy way. way. It's amazing. Um, uh, with this woman who was a guest on the podcast. So we have a one-hour lesson every week that begins and ends with meditation. And Mara, she's got some wisdom around this stuff and has us do these hard exhales at the mm-hmm. top of the hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what she says is, no, no uh, if you're th- if you're talking about the ancient brain, nobody who is running from a predator stops and gives a long exhale. Right. Mm. Right. And with a long exhale, you are telling that primitive part of your brain the danger is over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And and that has so many implications. Uh, one of the things I think about is even in a family system. You always need to t- tell your kids when the fight's over. We mm-hmm. don't look for fight-free parenting, yeah, right? But but kids stay in a hypervigilant state. Uh huh. All of us do yeah. until we know the fight's over, because yeah. it's just like you say, we're waiting on the predator. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But if you exhale and then communicate, hey, my lid's back on. I'm gonna be. I'm not acting a fool anymore. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. You know, right, right, I'm right, right. I'm so very sorry that I yeah did before, but um, but yeah, that exhale and and. And one of the things we want to do is say, don't make your next move until you've got your breath under control, Mm -hmm. until you know that that frontal lobe is back engaged, that you're not the gazelle right now or the deer in the headlights or the cobra. Right, right. Um, Yeah. And and that that gives you time. And many times people, you know, will be at the end of the massage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Exactly. And we know what happens there. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, before they take that exhale. Right. Right. Sure. Well, it's interesting. I had a client recently tell me he knew it was time to end a relationship he was in. He was not married. He was in a relationship, he said, because every time I either dropped the person off or got away. The first thing I did when I got in the car was breathe. <sighs> yeah. yeah. And it was not a, um, a heavy sigh of joy and pleasure. Mm-hmm. It was a heavy sigh of like, God, I've been holding my breath yes. for, you know, yeah. like three and a half yeah. freaking yeah. hours. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, and really think of that, you know, um, think of that just as a, from a physiological state. Mm-hmm. That means he's had cortisol pumping through his body for that mm-hmm. whole time. That's damaging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. don't want to live like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's another good reason to, you know, get out of it. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. that's the toxicity. Yeah. yeah. And, and back to your question, you know, what do you do after the betrayal? I think many times, um, I heard this Kelsey, our daughter, who's, um, uh, at Notre Dame studying theology, she was talking about a priest that said, hold modestly to something. And I like that term mm-hmm. modestly, mm-hmm. meaning lightly or whatever, but modestly seems kind to me. Mm-hmm. And what I would say on the management and, and getting through the betrayal, hold modestly onto this relationship. It's not life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, I think many times people think that the relationship 
the attachment with that other person is a life and death situation many times. And if we can hold that more modestly, people have room to heal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to, I don't want you to lose that marriage, but it's not life and death sure. for most marriages. So if we can take that off the table instead of hyper-focusing on this has to make it, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. no, what has to happen is we have to heal. Yeah. 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 I hope I said that yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. We want two healthy individuals, and if the marriage makes the trip, then we'll all throw rice, right? Well, and, I mean, and, 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 it's, and it's glibly, backwards. But. Of course, we're all for marriage. Yeah. Don't, don't anybody take that and run with it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, we want to flip that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. You know. Because, well, most people come in, though, right? And the marriage is the thing. I mean, they're not coming in to say, help me individually. No, they're saying, fix that other my person. Shit. Yeah, you know? <laughs> fix, fix, fix him and I'll be okay. Yeah. Or fix her and I'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's that. Let's get in our own, own lanes. But yeah. But yeah. Um, yes. I want to ask you about something else here. If, if, we're talking about uh, regulation. So we're living in a dysregulated, so we find ourselves in a dysregulated state. Oh, we have, uh, during our lives of active addiction, found ways to regulate that didn't work long term and just right. contributed to the problem. Right. Now we're learning healthy ways. Right. Uh, so one of the ways is, uh, the best way is to engage with somebody else. Absolutely. Right? And even if not a partner, I start every day with a one hour conversation with somebody walking. Yeah. Um, and I got to tell you, if I if I'm on the road and I miss that hour, yeah, um, and that happens a few days in succession, I can feel it. It shows up. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so co-regulation. Thank you for that. Somatic awareness. Thank you for that. Now, Suskind also he popped this. I know that you know what this means because I know that you do it at Tennessee Neurotherapy, mm-hmm. or in your office or in your practice. He said, and he casually said, or brain spotting. Uh-huh. What the hell is brain spotting? That's a, um, well, it's an amazing thing, and you can Google it. I'll try to give it in a nutshell. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a modality of therapy, uh-huh. and it, it's not really in its own bucket. It can be used in any kinds of therapy. But the bottom line is what David Grand, who discovered it, figured out, is that the primitive brain holds trauma first person present tense okay so if a brain doesn't know what to do with something let's say 9-11 it's going to shove it down deep into the reptilian part of the brain as first person present tense so you're going to be constantly hyper vigilant to the next time a world trade center falls right so you're flying into nashville you see the batman <laughs> building and you mm-hmm. feel the same or worse than you did um, when 9-11 happened. Okay, right. And so so what he figured out is that the brain's holding these things in, in the primitive part of the brain and the eye position, eye matter is brain tissue. Eyes are same brain tissue. I know that's new. Don't go too far on the science because I'm right at the edge of my level of expertise. Okay. <laughs> but, but, okay. um, but what we know is where we look affects how we feel. And what he figured with that is if we can find the eye position, the eyes are always scanning outwardly and inwardly. If we can find the eye position that correlates to that time capsule back right. there, it can come out in the, the, the neocortical, the human part of the brain can go, oh, I can process that. And now it's past tense, 
third person. Okay. So then what happens is the body quits responding in a hypervigilant way or reacting mm -hmm. to things that just might remind it a little bit of that initial trauma. Mm -hmm. So we process that out and literally then you have, you'll, you'll be interacting with something and you'll go, Oh, or someone that used to have triggered me and it mm -hmm. doesn't trigger me anymore. It's not mm -hmm. that you forget the event, mm -hmm. but right. it really takes the body memory out. Okay. And, and so, yes, um, it's that, um, coupled with neurofeedback or what I believe right now are the cutting edge for, for trauma reduction, body memory kind of things is we, we combine those two modalities, yeah, yeah. brain spotting and neurofeedback. Mm -hmm. And how much neurofeedback KK, cause we've got people that come in. Um, I say we, it's really a separate practice from our group, but Tennessee neurofeedback is bringing people in uh, clients, patients from all, uh, all over the country. Yeah. How much neurofeedback, um, do we really need before we're going to see some of those kind of, yeah, yeah. The, the more, um, the more egregious, the, uh, the lifespan has been to the brain. So traumas and emotional, physical mm -hmm. uh, neglect, those kind of things, the more, the more sessions you're going to need. Mm -hmm. The average uh, for the brain to hold if you stay healthy after is 40 to 60 sessions. Mm -hmm. What we tend to see is around 10 to 15 sessions, people start really seeing the subtle changes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't flip my lid on that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or, oh, that craving is gone. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. We're noticing that Allie and I are doing neurofeedback now, and we're uh, at 10 to 12 sessions. It's an interesting, when we first started, just the feedback session for Allie was anxiety-producing. Yeah, she was yeah, having a rough time yeah. just when the music started. Yeah. Now, she is looking forward to the sessions. Good. And, uh, and uh, as someone who has lived with an awful lot of anxiety and very often in a hypervigilant state yes. for a very long time, yes. to see that kind of ease back, yeah. she's yeah. feeling it, I'm seeing it, Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I'm sensing it in myself, yeah. Yeah, the coolest thing is when you have a couple and they're both doing it. Uh, it anecdotally, for for David and I, um, you know, I, I tell the story is I can plan a restaurant that we're going to dinner at and and change it five times crossing Maryland Way, and, you know, and he's like adult child of an alcoholic. His, he's steaming by the time I get to number three and <laughs> yeah, where I might want to eat. But the cool thing is now he doesn't flip out if I change his backdrop. Uh -huh. he, and, and I don't ask to change his backdrop nearly as much. Yeah. So the, and, and that's a, a really benign example of a dance that we've done for 31 years that we don't do anymore because we're, we are able to co-regulate because of neurofeedback. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I'll say is a plug, you know, probably before I've been on the show, we didn't have home training units. So people would have to come for long periods of time, but mm -hmm. we have the ability now for them just to come for the brain map and train at home. So nationally now people are able to, to go longer with the process which has been so awesome that to is, see yeah, yeah so yeah. not totally remote but very close yeah, yeah 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 well thanks for joining us again and tell us one more time for those listeners who might be curious interested uh, to look more into tennis to neurofeedback tennessee neurofeedback yeah. what's what's that uh, web address for tnn the 
nfb.com. Um, and, and just to say, David and I work a lot together on, on him doing some of the, the work with, with addiction when they come and then mm-hmm. we do the neurofeedback mm-hmm. side. So contacting David is also a really good idea yeah. on yeah. that too. So, yeah. So thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so always. much. For it's joining. always great when you get to come in here. I appreciate <laughs> it. it. And I'm thrilled, by the way, here's an early plug. I'm thrilled that you are not only are you going to come to next fall's Samson Society retreat, the big one for the guys, I'd, they would shoot me if you didn't show up. You're actually going to show up for their wives, partners, cannot, and girlfriends at wait. the women's retreat that's happening yeah. 24th through 26th of July right here in Middle yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That November thing, a plug, that was one of the funnest things I've ever done and hardest things I've ever done in my whole career. Yeah. I, would not, I would not miss it. So I'll see you guys okay. for sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> It'll be All fun. Right. Stay with us, listeners. We'll be back in a moment here on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And uh, Nate, this this conversation with KK is always, always is so informative. I feel like I should have had my legal pad by me just scribble, you know, <laughs> some great information because it's all uh, it's all so helpful and so good. But, you know, um, this all comes back to um, these expectations and um and the good news in this today for me is that the damage that we do, no matter what our uh, disordered mm-hmm. uh, behavior is, is that we aren't beyond help and hope. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, as much as I'd like to, you know, shoot Cupid, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if I ever see the little shit running around, gonna, <laughs> he's going to have to duck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's some high expectations, but you know, when that, when love gets disordered and mm-hmm. isn't love, yeah, you yeah, know, right. um, and we can, when it becomes about survival. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that somebody can shine a light at the end of this tunnel and say, there is a way out of this, but here's, here's some stuff you are going to have to realize as individuals and take responsibility for. Yeah. And that maybe your brain and your body are telling you something you didn't even know, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I, I love that you brought this book to the forefront because, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's stuff that most of us are not going to identify. Yeah. Right. When exactly. we experience that. Yeah. 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 So. And oh, we're going to have to work. Uh, I think you've already reached out to Andrew Suskind to see if we yes. can get him. See if we yes. Get him I hope a... I can uh, get a, a positive re- response from him. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Well, time has flown. As well, I'll tell you what, when we get KK in the room, time just disappears, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, we should start doing two-parters with her. Or something. <laughs> she could be our first two-part podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we won't take any more of our listeners' valuable time. We, but we'll be back next week with another great episode. Some more. Uh, oh, you're, you're, you're going you're to want to hear Jesse Hawkins next week. Yeah. Until then, I'm Nate. I'm David. We're your pals on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 